You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bonjour, mon ami. It's Adam. It, and it's, wow, it's Frankie. Yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> now to follow that, Jesus. Je, je m'appelle. Oh, mm. qu'est-ce que c'est? <laughs> yeah, you lost me. Okay. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, this is good. We're uh, back in England now, aren't we? Mm. I like the smaller episodes. This is one of the ones where uh, there's no murder. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there are a few, aren't there? Yeah. There's this kidnapped prime minister. There's a couple of robbery ones, like Veiled Lady and things yeah. like that coming up that are slightly tamer yeah in terms of content but uh yeah this is this is one of those ones the incredible theft the incroyable incroyable theft incroyable (laughs) let me translate it for our belgian (laughs) listeners (laughs) le theft incroyable (laughs) fantastic so yeah as we alluded to in the last episode perhaps not right up there with problem at sea but still a very interesting episode in lots of ways Yes. We were chatting before we started recording and we were saying how on the episode where perhaps the mystery isn't the strongest, the really up the comedy. (laughs) Yes. And let's just say this is a very funny episode. (laughs) (laughs) It is. There are some absolute cracking lines in this one mm-hmm. i i lolled a couple of times watching this one because there is I, some I funny LMAO'd. stuff did you i ruffled I did, yeah. everywhere that a, that a came straight owed <laughs> <laughs> oh wow well there you go that's the higher thing i i ruffled and um hit my head quite badly actually which explains a lot of this intro <laughs> uhmh'd oh my god wow. <laughs> what's that <laughs> you hit my head oh <laughs> <laughs> That's good, yeah, see? It's long-term concussion. <laughs> L-T-C. <laughs> the way you looked at me all horrified then. That's not official uh, meme speak. HMH. <laughs> I didn't read that you on the You can't just introduce dictionary. them into the lexicon like that, I'm afraid. <laughs> You're such a, such a trendsetter, Adam. My goodness. <laughs> I'm a T-S, yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Anyway, let's get on with T-I-T. T-I-T. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me learning to spell. <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> Yeah, before we get onto that. So we've had an email from Jenny Lou, who I believe is a a member of Film Club or at least a part of your secret history universe. Is that right? Yeah, Jenny Lou, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. yep, yep. Old friends, yep. The title is Triangle at Roads, Gushing, Errata, Clues and an Idea. As for Iris, Adam and Frankie, I apologise this is so long. I am enjoying the podcast very much. I have been watching and re-watching the series for many years and no one else captures my love of the series that like the two of you. However, you did disparage the portrayal of the police in this episode, and I believe presenting a couple of historical facts will clear the producers of wrongdoing. I just want to point out, I don't think we were disparaging the police. I think it was mainly the accents. It's more of the accents, yeah. I mean, they were yeah. great policemen. Fantastic policemen. The, he was all about the cold de blooded. You know, and cold the fa- bloody the murder. <laughs> and the fact that he owned Harrods at the same time is just equally impressive. <laughs> Jenny says, first, Rhodes was occupied by the Italians from 19- 
1912, following the war between Italy and the Ottomans until after World War II. During the 1930s, Mussolini and the fascists were pushing to Italianize the island. The producers were spot on on showing a multicultural island ruled by invaders, which is yeah, all those mm. all those, those ruffians, scallywags. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I think we talked about that, didn't we? Yeah. The black shirts were all over the place, and it was 36. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. The government officials would have been Italian, while the general population would be Greek and Turkish, Greek Orthodox and Muslim. So the very Italian chief of police was not doing a poor job of imitating a Greek. He was actually doing an overtop performance of an Italian, which he did quite capably, in my honest opinion, he said. He was he was definitely Italian, that's for sure. Well, I think, I think yeah, it was kind of, I didn't ever think he was uh, Greek. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. To be fair, I might have said that. So that would have been my, my fault. I think, I think he definitely seemed like, it seemed like a man doing an Italian version of English. Mm. I've, as we say, Jenny, the thing we found hilarious was not the, the nationality of the man, no. it was more the way he was saying those lines. How over top he went. Because the actor yeah. we know was Italian, but he really mm. went he went Italian on crack. <laughs> and just, yeah, he out Italian the whole of Italy, I would say, with that performance. Yeah, it was brilliant. She said, second, as for the shiny white gun holsters, that is like putting mm. an Italian flag on their foreheads to tell you who they are. I don't know if they were sporting them in the 1930s but definitely since world war ii fun fact the current uniforms of the milan police and those of paramilitary police were designed by valentino and giorgio armani and they have lots of shiny white patent leather so there you go they, there was a reason mm. for that it wasn't just cool. fashion it is fashion but it's italian so everything is fashion so that makes sense so you know what I, I didn't even notice the white gun holsters when i was watching it they didn't jump out at me but i know they jumped out at you i don't know how they didn't jump out at you because they were basically reflecting light into my eyes they were so shiny from the, from the screen so i don't know how you missed it <laughs> jenny says i liked hearing from both of you on how you solved the mystery adam you got that the labradors <laughs> she calls them were overheard <laughs> arguing about why she chose to come to Rhodes, while later she declared her husband chose it. Poirot was further tipped off when he overheard Mrs. Labrador saying her husband wanted a divorce. Poirot knew this was a lie as he witnessed the lab crossing himself in front of the chapel in the ruins. Yes. <gasps> yes. He did. Wow. Great catch. Yeah. In Poirot world, that makes the Labrador a practicing Catholic who would not think of divorce. Brackets, Christy uses ah. quite often in her stories. Yeah, Jenny, you're a, you're an absolute sleuth there. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that one at all. He, yeah, they do men- yeah, it's a good, good shout. Those mm. two lies, misdirection put Mrs. Lab on my suspect list. When number five ordered the pink gin and gave it to his wife, he was added in. Then the aha moment came that this was not the triangle we thought it was. Do you notice how often in this series they do something in the beginning that seems minor but gives the theme of the episode? For example, in the third floor flat episode, Poirot is completely infuriated that a playwright throws in an unknown relationship at the end of the play to solve it. And that's exactly how the episode ends. Very clever. In the triangle at Rose, it starts with Mr which turns out to be the key to solving this. That is true. And now, finally, the idea. I've been trying to find a way to interact with the Labours of Hercule on Twitter. Uh, you can do that at home, listeners, at our Labours Hercule. <laughs> but I'm always afraid I'm going to be spoiling the episode for those who haven't watched it yet. I'm sure this has crossed your mind or somebody's, but a watch-along for some episodes would be great fun. You could stop before the reveal and we can discuss the clues. Those of us who know the solution can gently give hints to the newbies. Then a discussion at the end or some other format on Zoom. Thanks for reading all of this, Jenny Lou. So we've talked about doing some watch-alongs at some point, so maybe for the next season we could look at doing that. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, thank you very much, Jenny. Um, yes. You're a lovely, lovely person and I very much enjoy being pals with you on social media mm-hmm. and all the way through uh, to Secret History and 
film clubs and everything. So thank you very, very much for your thoughtfully written email. And very. all of the points you raise are very, very interesting indeed. So thank you very much. Yeah, watch-alongs is something we've talked about mm-hmm. already. I think we're nearing the end of season one. So I think what we'll do is we'll get season one out of the way. And I know that there are many, many people who want to actually join us on the show as well. Yes. So we've already got people lined up to come on and talk through episodes with us for season two and beyond so i think what we'll do is from season two and beyond i think we will arrange regular nights Uh, jenny lou is part of my film club so she knows how they work basically we watch a film on a synced browser and everyone sees the same screen so we all see it in the same time we all chat inside so yeah we i think a weekly watch of a poire episode or maybe fortnightly so we coincide with the episodes release but yeah it's fantastic and and i'm having a blast revisiting all these episodes again and i'm watching them three or four times each and and before we record an episode so yeah i can't wait to do it with other people as well because yeah for that very reason you know for your email jenny there was so much i missed in that episode that um <laughs> other people could point out to me as well, <laughs> so yeah yeah, Love if we it. could steal everybody's genius and ideas, that would be great. We can just say, pretend mm. we came up with all of it and we did it all by ourselves. <laughs> That's actually really, yeah, really smart. So yeah, thank you, Jenny. That was a really, really lovely email. We also, on our Instagram account, I, I told people we were going to be recording today and asked people if they had anything they wanted us to talk about or discuss. And we had a few submissions. Lovely. Yes. So um, Margarita Maria, 13, on Instagram, she just said a very nice message saying, I'm enjoying the podcast very much. So that's really nice. Thanks very Thank much. You. Isn't that nice? Aww. Please always feel free to send through compliments because I'm insecure. Then we also had a, a message from We Were Bow and Ties. Not where, were. I just want to point out that I'm saying that correctly. Uh, they just wrote costumes. So I agree entirely. They should wear costumes. That's good. Yes. I think we talk about costumes quite a lot in every episode because they are so good in this show. They're bloody amazing. Oh, right. They want us to talk about costumes. I see. Right. Oh, they want us in costumes maybe I think maybe they were trying to say ostrich or something and dismissed that. <laughs> yeah cost, the costumes in fact our, our previous episode where we talked about uh, Problem at Sea mm. one of the things that struck me about that episode was how much they must have spent on wardrobing that yeah. not just the people on the boat but the whole of Alexandria they're walking through I mean yeah. every single person is dressed to the nine yeah so, they dress yeah, the, the whole city of Alexandria yeah, insane like. I mean there are huge panning out shots of streets and yes. everyone's dressed in the right attire and not just you know it's not just people who live in Alexandria there are t- other tourists walking through yeah. the streets and they're all mm. properly dressed they even have like incredible. pocket watches on and everything yeah it's, it's incredible Funny. the amount of detail they went into and costumes are amazing the costume budget and the doll budget on that episode was insane <laughs> they really went to town <laughs> yeah they did <laughs> so that was a great submission thank you some clear alcoholic commented beer with breakfast is the way forward who submitted that one Adam? Uh, I might have done that after I'd had a beer <laughs> oh weird at breakfast yeah. <laughs> probably there's yeah, no yeah, judgement so yeah. there is no judgement on this podcast but we are obviously we probably shouldn't say this but we are official advocates of an ale with your breakfast kidneys still haven't tried it still dying to so we're gonna do it it's gonna happen wait. it has to be ale as well it can't be lager no yeah, point of Stella <laughs> no it doesn't really <laughs> not a the good Yes. start to the day <laughs> and then we had our final submission was from Adam
Adam Anansi, who wrote, Why is this series superior to the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes show? Ooh, controversial. Loads of people are going to be like, I don't think it is. Do you think it is? I think it's more charming. Yes. But I think that's due to the, this is a far more light-hearted series than the Sherlock Holmes. But the Sherlock Holmes with Jer- Jeremy Brett is, as has been pointed out by many scholars of Sherlock Holmes, yeah. uh, a show a show for the purists. Ooh. Because it nails the it nails the tone and it nails the character as Conan Doyle wrote him, which is sometimes rather dour and sometimes rather sort of over-analytical and a bit preachy. Yeah. In, you know, Sherlock Holmes is quite a cold fish, whereas Poirot, I think, you know, with Hastings and Jap and Miss it's Lemon. Hard. Yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of heart. There's a lot of hot there. So a lot of hot. Yeah, yeah. Hot a lot men. of hot. A lot of heart. Yeah. Of course yeah, there is. Look damn at right. <laughs> oh god, there is. I mean, we're not going to jump ahead, but there is some hotness in this episode that I'm very excited to talk to you about. Oh yes, there is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. It's like comparing um, the Rathbone Homes with the Brett Homes. It's like the Rathbone Homes nails the sort of warmth and yeah. a bit more of the the humour, whereas the the Brett Homes is a bit more for the purists. So it's, it's a bit it's a bit colder. But I think Poirot sort of balances them both perfectly. He's, he's the yeah. perfect Christie Poirot, but he also nails the the humour and, and the writers as well they obviously sense that it's Sunday night telly so let's make yeah. it a bit appealing and yeah yeah it's definitely it's, beautiful, a, beautiful it's got I think that's one of the things that we've talked about so much I'm always amazed at how many people love Poirot like Poirot is mm. worldwide international I mean Sherlock Holmes is too but I would say those older series yeah. haven't travelled in the same way that this series of Poirot has it's mm. just and it's on all the time it's on all the time if you turn on ITV3 at any time there's going to be a Marple mm. there's going to be a Poirot one. They have it on like picture in picture when they're showing <laughs> they only, really only Rose Essex, like the zoom screen. <laughs> they should just have them side by side. That would be perfect. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, that's a really good question though, Adam. Thank you for submitting that. Not you, Adam. The mm. other one, Adam and Nancy. Oh, fine. You didn't like my beer at breakfast. <laughs> it's a great question. Well, screw you, Frankie. It's fine. So if you have anything you'd like us to talk about or anything you'd want to say to us or any corrections you want to make, which we apparently really need, if you could send them to us on social media at Labours of Vercule, or you can email us at bonjour at com, and you could get read out on a future episode. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, you could. Or a treat. Let's go on to the terrific theft. Incroyable. Incroyable. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? That's what I want to know. I was born ready. <laughs> you sounded so confident when you said that. Thank you. I was, I think, I think born ready. I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not sure if I've been born yet. So I don't know. <laughs> Very insecure. I was definitely ready after lunch. <laughs> after my breakfast pint. <laughs> On to the incredible theft. Let's go. This is quite an episode, isn't it? Yeah, it is... I have to say, a little taste of espionage, which is always fun, right? Hmm. Hmm. Up front, no murders in this one. Not So one. just in case you're thinking, who kills who? Who do I need to watch out for? What you're actually watching is a bit more of an action adventure. Yes. I would say a bit more of a sort of subterfuge espionage, as you say. Something like, you know, mm. Red Herring. It's all about um, switcheroos and who can trust who. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, no, no real diabolical like fiendish crimes in this apart from a bit of document snatching (laughs) (laughs) but what it lacks in murder and uh, kind of the more darker side of things it makes up for with genius comedy and car chasing Mm. and weapons and all sorts of drama there is drama and there is comedy so it's a bit it's a bit of a wild ride 
Uh, I know mm. that you have mixed feelings about this one. Only because my, I think I think my brain just doesn't have the the wherewithal to keep up with some of the plot movements of it. As I said to you earlier on, I've watched, I watched this twice today, and I've seen this probably half a dozen times before. Yeah. But I watched this one twice today, and there's certain things I'm still not clear on. I'm sure they will become clear as we talk about them later today. Let's catch up with the Whitehaven Four as usual. Yes. This is great. Poirot is all about the shoes. Oh man, Poirot! <laughs> Poirot's got his his uh, Vaseline out, <laughs> and <laughs> he doesn't want. He doesn't love a crack, does he? No, he does not. He's getting Vaseline right up in those cracks. That crack. Um... <laughs> no lie, people. <laughs> uh, yeah, Poirot's polishing his shoes uh, because they're patent leather, and the key apparently he's trying to educate Hastings. He says the secret. Is if you rub it in well, <laughs> it prevents the cracks. Petroleum jelly Hastings, that is the secret. You rub it well in and it will prevent the cracking, yes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a child. Uh, so, yeah, he's all about the shoes. But while, while Poirot's all about his shoes, Hastings is all about a girl. How do you work out cubic what you call them? Como? Cubic thingamies. How do you work them out? I mean, this ceiling's what? Ten feet up, yes? So do you multiply ten... Hastings, I am trying to instruct you in the care of patent leather. Something that will be of use to you in later life. Well, so will Cubic Watsit. Suppose I had to survey something or something. You do not deceive me, Hastings. You are having these eccentric thoughts because of this girl of yours, eh? The student of architecture. Well, we never seem to have anything to talk about. I tried reading a book about Bernini... She's very keen on Bernini. I couldn't make head or tail of it. No, 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 Hastings. Women do not wish to talk about Bernini and cubic thingamies. I don't know that she wants to talk about anything. She's never in when I call round to see her. I end up having tea with her mother every day. I mean, <laughs> so good. If, if that doesn't spell out to you, Hastings, that you are unwanted, <laughs> I don't know what does. Have you ever been in that position? But I've gone round to a guy's house and had tea with his mum. Yeah, repeatedly. <laughs> repeatedly. I've definitely had relationships where I've gotten on better with, with his family than him. <laughs> so, <laughs> have you? <laughs> yeah, uh, all the guys I've fallen in love with are like that. <laughs> He's terrible taste. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hastings is in love. Poirot is about the shoes. Hastings is actually trying to impress his girl, which I really, really like. So, he, he thinks so that cute. because she's an architecture student, he, he's trying to figure out what cubic quadricolums are so that he can have something to talk to her about when he finally gets her over a tea table wait <laughs> he's very very sweet bless him he does really try there is some cracking sick burns right on the off of oh this one God. they're just flaming all the way through this aren't they yeah when lays into hating straight away as you've heard in the clip but then also there's other sass going on poirot is full sass in this episode he is just a right gobby in this one, particularly with Miss Lemon, who comes in and says that she's been getting anonymous, an anonymous lady phone caller keeps calling up and she won't give her name. There's a lady keeps telephoning Mr. Poirot. Sacre! What a terrible circumstance. There's no need to be sarcastic, Mr. Poirot. I was going on to say that I didn't put her through to you because she wouldn't give her name. I told you, you don't take anonymous phone calls. And uh, then when Poirot starts like teasing her and winding her up a bit and says, But I do, Miss Lemon. 
Sometimes I think anonymous telephone calls are the only ones worth taking. <laughs> but she's like, but how, how will I file it? <laughs> and he says, Life first, Miss Lemon. Filing second. I love the whole sacre bleu. Um, <laughs> Such a sarky bastard, isn't he? <laughs> he really is sarky with her, isn't he? And then she leaves the room in a bit of a huff and Hastings goes like, You shouldn't tease her, Poirot. She makes it irresistible. God, it's too good. All right, for yeah, it's brilliant. It's great to have Miss Lemon back at full Mm. full sass because she she's not having it. Both (laughs) barrels. We'll we'll come on to Jap later because he doesn't really appear at the beginning. So on with the story then. So the anonymous phone caller phones back again, thankfully, and Mm. it gives a name this time, although clearly not a real name. She says her name's Mrs. Smith, but. Miss Lemon is delighted because she can finally put her through to Poirot and give him Andress. a taste. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Poirot agrees to meet this mysterious lady at the zoo next to the <laughs> penguin tank, which I kind of feel is a little on the nose and a bit of a dig at Poirot because <laughs> he looks a bit like a penguin. Well, and he walks the same way. <laughs> and he's dressed the same way. <laughs> <laughs> They've all got pound coins in their bum hole. <laughs> That's why you shouldn't throw coins into the tanks at the zoo, kids. <laughs> I, I did enjoy that very much. And also, right off the bat, when the lady finally approaches him, he reprimands her straight away for not following the rules that they set. You are not Miss Smith. Yes, I am. Where's your green carnation? I wanted time to study you. The science green doesn't suit me. I was carrying my times. These arrangements, once made, should be adhered to Miss Smith. Got classic Poirot, great start. Basically, she reveals herself to be Lady Mayfield, who is the wife of, uh, what do you call him? Tom Mayfield. An engineer, some kind of inventor, developer. Yeah, some weapons, basically, like military Mm. weapons designer. She is worried because he has come up with, this is where I get slightly lost, he's come up with some kind of invention that um, fighter jets that... Uh, every government in the world wants because it will help them to win whatever war is coming up. World War Two. Yeah, that's the one. You might have heard of it. It's quite a big deal. <laughs> oh, two. Oh, yeah. You've only seen the first one if you've not seen the sequel. <laughs> yes. So uh, basically, foreign governments are very interested in the fact that Lord Mayfield has invented this super fighter jet. And Lady Mayfield is worried because Lord Mayfield has some history when it comes to dealing with foreign governments. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, I mean, they, they do reveal a bit more about it later on, but they keep referring to the Japanese and all. Oh, there's a very much a Faulty Towers kind of vibe to start with. Like, don't talk about the war. It's like, don't talk about the Japanese. But yeah, she implies that there's been some sort of misunderstanding where it was believed that Mayfield had had some dealings with the Japanese and sold them some things that he shouldn't have done. The British government, as a result, were reluctant to work with him again or pay him for the technology that he's been building because they don't trust him anymore. They think he could be a spy of some kind or working with the enemy. Okay, so George Carrington is, let's, for argument's sake, say he represents the British government. Yeah, Foreign Office or something. Yeah, he's working alongside Lord Mayfield to make sure that everything's above board, right? Yeah. Now, here's the bit I have a problem with. Lord Mayfield says, in order to prove my 
allegiance or mm-hmm. my worth to you. This weekend, I'm throwing a party at my house yeah. where these secret plans are going to be. And mm-hmm. I've invited Mrs. Vandalin, who's this glamorous mm. American in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she's she's a bit of a Matahari figure. Mm-hmm. I've invited her to come and I'm hoping that she makes a swipe for these plans because then we'll catch her red-handed and we can finally arrest her for all these past espionage things she's done. I think I didn't take it that way. That's interesting. So maybe it was that. I was taking it more that the British government were dragging their heels on investing in his technology and were reluctant to do Mm -hmm. it. So he was like, well, you know what? I'm inviting a potential Nazi sympathiser to my house this weekend and maybe she'll be interested in my plans if you guys aren't. A bit of light kind of blackmail slash pressure on the British government because... I, I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right. I, I think maybe it's a bit of both. I think he was doing it to provoke some sort of reaction from the British government who have been basically keeping him at arm's length for a really long time and not really listening to him or giving him the money that he needs to develop these weapons. Right. So the cliff notes on this are, everyone, Mayfield has a secret invention that's very valuable to any government. Thing. Yeah. He has been suspected of working for other governments in the past. So the, the British government, yeah, are very keeping a close eye on him you know want to make sure he's okay yeah look i mean agatha christie's obviously said to herself what i need is a weekend party where there's a villainess uh and the secret plans and lord mayfield and and then poirot in a house together so that i can somehow construe a crime that happens see this is my issue with this episode is that I just don't buy the whole reason for them all being there. Yeah. It's like yeah. he, he's got a secret invention, the British government's being represented by Carrington, and then this Mrs. Vandalin figure who's obviously some kind of spy for hire by yeah. you know Nazi governments or Axis powers, whatever it is. She's been invited as well, and I can never fathom the reason why she's yeah. she's there. Like, why would you even put a spy that that dangerous and that renowned there with the plans? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah anyway. But that's the cliff notes. She is there at the house with yes. these plans. It yeah. is. You're right. It's very unclear because when he he tells Carrington that he's inviting her and he's like, are you mad, bro? I've invited Mrs. Vandalin down for the weekend. Mrs. Vandalin? You mad? You've invited her down here? Like, what are you doing? Mm. Like, instantly. And, and obviously Mayfield's wife is so worried about it that she's gone to Poirot being like, you've got to help me here because my husband's lost the plot. He's invited this bloody mm. Nazi sympathiser to our house this weekend. Can you come and make sure that nothing dodgy happens with the Nazi sympathiser that we're keeping in our house for the weekend? That we're keeping in our house alongside the secret plans. In yeah, the yeah, book, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the book um, which is Murder in the Muse, which is where this short story first appeared, yes. Mayfield invites her to the house because he's trying to trap her. Right. That's what he says to Carrington. He says, the plans for the new fighter, I'm going to put them out so she tries to take them so that we can trap her once and for all. Though it does not come across no. in this episode at all. No, but in the short story, later, maybe, maybe. yeah, it's yeah. almost like he's trying to prove his worth after his past transgressions by yeah. helping them to trap this spy, by giving her this bait that, you know, is potentially going to you know, have Nazis rampaging yeah. across the earth. It's just a really cack-handed construction of a yes. plot for me. And that's my main issue with this episode. No, that is a completely fair assessment of it, <laughs> I would say. It is really odd. I think you're right. I think maybe the TV series, they looked at all of the kind of the setup of it and they thought, that's quite boring. Let's just keep it open-ended 
bastard and get the Nazi round to their house ASAP for a party. Yeah. And see how <laughs> it goes. Cl- yeah. As I say, the cliff notes are there's a secret formula in the house. Yeah. That made by Lord Mayfield. And there's a Nazi spy lady villainess called Mrs. Vanderlyn in the house as well. Yes. That's all you need to know for now. Why she's there is just never clear. No. <laughs> Can I ask, mm. if you invite a Nazi to your party, is it a Nazi mm. party? <laughs> <laughs> it is if she's there because I have to say the dress she wears oof Baker foil. foil. <laughs> Baker foil much? Wow. Yeah. It's basically a sheet of Baker foil that just yeah. goes along the front of her. It doesn't even yeah. cover her. Yeah, it's her backless. Back. Yeah. It's backless. Yeah. It's like one of those gowns you wear in hospital, but <laughs> Baker foil. Or if you've just run a marathon and they put the blanket around you at the end. Cause... <laughs> yeah, around the front of you. <laughs> yeah. As you say, Poirot's invited along by Lady Mayfield. Lady Mayfield, yeah, who's worried about her husband. There are a lot of things in a marriage that you can be concerned about with your spouse, like, you know, whether they're Mm. faithful, whether they're doing things with money that you're not sure about, or if they invite a Nazi round to your house. These are all very (laughs) valid points for concern. So she's right, I would say, to, to be worried about that. Yeah, the best thing to do if anyone ever invites a Nazi to your house is get yourself a Belgian. It's the natural enemy of the Nazi. (laughs) Yeah, so basically Poirot jumps in the the car, goes round to the house. Say Joanna Vandalin makes this very dramatic entrance in her very shiny Baco foil gown, reflecting the light of everybody. And the second she enters, in that very dramatic way of going like, How English. How very, very English. The air goes cold and they're all very, very scared of her. Mm. It's quite a moment. Yeah, they're having a drink in the garden, aren't they? With yes. this, like this outdoor bar thing. And, yeah. you know, when you see the scene and you see them all congregating and talking and stuff and chatting by the bottom of the steps, you think, oh, this is a nice pleasant garden scene. But when she makes this entrance and you can basically see the, you know, her naked from the back apart from some bacon were you foil. looking <laughs> the camera not. not me um but yeah uh, she says how very british and i don't know what it is about that shot but um when you see them all stood at the foot of the steps and her like this goddess at the top of the steps and they're all stood there yeah. you know in their little suits at the bottom i kind of see what she means <laughs> yeah, it's like it is how very, very british. british she's right and you look at them and you go yeah yeah i get you yeah yeah i totally see that yeah. Your outfits aren't shiny like mine at all. How very British. Yeah. She's the only one who would survive a nuclear blast in that dress, by the way. <laughs> well, her back would. Very true. <laughs> so then they decide to, they go and have dinner and then they turn to a game of bridge, which is amazing as well. Oh, it's perfect, that game. I guess we should talk about the cast of characters in the house, perhaps, at this moment. Yeah. Go for it. Sure. So we've got, as we said, it's the Mayfield's house. So you've got Tom Mayfield and his wife, Lady Margaret Mayfield. Mm-hmm. They've invited along Sir George Carrington and his wife, Lady Isabel Carrington. So just Sir George is representing the British government, as we said yes. before. And yep. his wife is representing... Uh, haughty behaviour. Haughty wife-ness. Yeah, yes. haughty Britishness. She's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've also brought along... Their son, Reggie, who I, I, you know what? I think the thing that, about this episode that angered me the most is Reggie, because he is mm-hmm. such a sh- and yeah. th- there's no reason for him to be there. <laughs> if you got all. every single, every single man from Made in Chelsea and smashed him into one body, there you go. 
Reggie. If you took the Tory party and smashed him into one person and sent him off to Eton, it would be Reggie Carrington. Uh, yeah. There is literally no reason for his character to exist. He's incredibly mm. annoying. But Reggie, Reggie Carrington's there. I guess he's mainly there so his, his mother can uh, take the piss out of him the whole time, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Endorse that, yeah. Yeah, very much so. And then you've also got Carlisle, who works for Tom Mayfield. He is there to help uh, sort out some of the plans that they're obviously <sighs> going to share that evening. And obviously various staff within. They've got a chauffeur or two dotted about and some butlers and what have you. So that's the main cast of characters. And obviously you have Poirot in the house as well. But um, he has, unbeknownst to any of the guests in the house, asked Hastings to come along and stay at the nearby inn in case he needs in case he needs a fast car or a bit of muscle. But Hastings reveals that not only has he come along <sighs> from London, but also, do you want to spoil it? Go for it. Who's, who's with him? Okay, well, you know, we said this gets a bit sexy. <laughs> Inspector Jap is here, guys, and uh, he's bunking up with uh, with Hastings. They're in a room together because the, ho- the the inn is so busy. Well, the pub's so crowded, I'm having to share a room, and you'll never guess who with. No, Hastings, I will not. Jap. With the Chief Inspector Jap? And the room has only got one bed. But my main question for you, Adam, on this is, who do you think is the big spoon and who's the little spoon? In between <gasps> Hastings and Jap. It's got to be Jap is Big Spoon, right? J- Jap's Big Spoon, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's definitely J- Big Spoon. Jap, Jap's definitely a, a my lad kind of guy. <laughs> oh, we know he is, because not to jump ahead too much, but there is a genius, amazing moment when... <laughs> When Hastings is re- telling Poirot about this, how, <laughs> what it's like to share a bed with Jab. Bang. The other one. Crash. When he finally gets into bed, it's worse. Worse? He talks in his sleep. Now I've got you, young fellow Miller. Jab of the yard strikes again. I thought I'd go mad. Every time I manage to drop off, he starts shouting. Stand back, lads. He's got a blancmange. Some of the things he was saying were enough to make a cat laugh. I can't take much more of it, Poirot. I've been through three days of a Jerry Barrage. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> My favourite part of the whole speech that he gives, which is, Jaff of the Yard strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, which he I says, cried. Which he says through his teeth as he achieves all <laughs> Jaff of the Yard strikes again. <laughs> Stand back, my lads. God, <laughs> oh, oh, man. Come on. How much would you pay to um, share a room with those two? <laughs> I'd pay quite a lot. How much would you pay to share a room with them? And how much would you pay to be spooned by them? Oh, my God. I would give one of my kidneys, if need be, whatever. Yeah, that's a dream. Can I be the, in the middle, like in the sandwich? Oh, my God. Can't even I'd be the filling of that, that sandwich. I couldn't afford that. <laughs> would you call that being between... Um, Jap and Hastings. Would you call that a Jap bap? Oh, that's good. Yeah, and I would. Yes, I would call it that. Yes. Okay. Cool. I, I... The Japaning. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're talking about. Like, don't talk about the don't talk about Japan. It's like don't talk about. <laughs> The, the rumour has travelled far and wide of the sexy bedtime outings of <laughs> Japanese things. Oh, man. Can you imagine staying at a guest house and they're like, oh, it's really busy at the moment. Would you mind sharing a bed with this stranger? <laughs> do you um, mind sleeping with this man? Actually, we do know each other, so it's not as weird, but still, we're not that keen on the idea, to be honest. 
Do you mind? <laughs> Oh, so good. Love it. Oh, God. So Poirot spends the evening at the Mayfield, obviously, for this fancy dinner. They're all in their finest gowns. They're playing bridge. They lose at bridge to Mrs. Vandalin, <laughs> which uh, is fantastic because... The whole thing is blamed on Poirot. <laughs> Poirot <laughs> plays his heart out, but unfortunately, he's partnered up with Lady Isabel Carrington, who, who is seems to be of the belief... That, <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she takes out the fact that they've lost... On Poirot, and his response to her is the height of simmering anger. I will take a promenade in the garden before turning in. It will clear my brain. We might have done that before we played cards. Madame is too agreeable. Good night. And so he goes out for his little walk. He goes up and meets up with Hastings and... That's when Hastings tells him that I'm bunking with Jap tonight. And <laughs> Poirot is very interested as to why Jap's in town. He didn't know. So he's like, find out why Jap's here. This is great. While you're in bed tonight, cuddled up, ask him why he's here. Have a little pillow talk. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then we cut to Mayfield and Carrington are out for a little stroll as well, talking about hmm. the evening. They, As they're out strolling by the house, they see... Miss Vandalin, it down coming downstairs. Mm. They see her in the room and they wave to her and she's like, "Oh, I just forgot my bag." But she said it in a, a worse American accent. And they're like, oh, "Okay, great, cool, carry on." And they have a little stroll. They're talking about the evening, and then Mayfield spots something running across the garden. Didn't you see? Mm. What was that? What? Someone ran across the terrace there. I didn't see anything. Anyway, how do you intend to trap her? Sure, I saw something. Carrington didn't see it, but Mayfield saw something or someone fleeing mm. a, a, across the lawn from the house. It's very cleverly done because you don't see what he's no. seen, but there is a noise. It sounds like a you know a, a cry of some kind, yes. and um, Mayfield remarks, "Oh, did you see that? Someone ran across the lawn there. That's all you know." Yes. So then while all this is going on, there's been this kind of simmering tension of Carlisle has laid out the papers on the desk in Mayfield's office and they're kind of blowing in a bit of a fan breeze, almost like mm. fanning the flames, as it were. Uh, the papers flopping around. And then anyway, they go in and he brings Carrington. He's like, let's have a look at the papers. And Carl's like, yep, laid them all out. Hope that's cool. I'm off to bed. And they're like, oh, before you go, Carlisle, where's the most important page with all of the very top secret equations that will give away the game entirely if it were to fall into the wrong hands? And uh, it's not there. It's gone. Hmm. I don't understand. I put it here. I know I did. No, you must have made a mistake. It must still be in the safe. No, I put it there. I looked for it particularly and put it on the top. Do you mean to tell me it's gone? Dun, 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 dun. Dun. <laughs> so someone or some something has uh, taken the important paper something. that they were, <laughs> they were trying to protect <laughs> um, by inviting a Nazi spy to their house. But mm, yeah. mm. It's the one thing they didn't want to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's the paper? It's gone. It's gone. Oh, so um, yeah, there you go. That's, that's the crime. The best part is, once they've discovered the paper is missing, Poirot just happens to be strolling past the door, pops his head in, is Hello. that you right? <laughs> Bonjour. Bonjour. Can Poirot be of assistance? Finding the lost property is something 
of a profession of mine. And he's like, I'm quite good at looking for stuff that's gone missing. That's kind of my whole thing. Do you want me to, uh, want me to take a look uh, and see if I can solve this one for you? So, <laughs> yeah, so that's when the, the mystery begins. Poirot comes to the conclusion that perhaps the papers were stolen by a spy. Uh, all eyes, of course, shoot up to uh, Mrs. Vanderlyn's door and to mm. uh, everyone instantly suspects her. So she is promptly arrested and taken to the station and stri- strip searched by a female police officer. Yeah. In, in a scene that, I mean, when they knock on her door and say, Oh, you nicked, I think Get dressed. Jap is rather taken immediately with her, isn't he? Yes. He sees her in her negligee, in sleeping negligee, and is instantly like, Oh, my lad. It's yeah. Chap of the yard, well, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Way. He's definitely got a blamange on. But anyway, so <laughs> takes... oh, the long arm of the law is in full, <laughs> full strength. They take her down to the station. And this is a slightly problematic scene where she's being strip searched in front of, say, frosted glass. Yeah. All, you see, all you see is a silhouette, but Jap is properly yeah. gawping her. <laughs> he's gawping, but then he you can tell he's a bit embarrassed about it, but then he has another little look and they're embarrassed about it <laughs> he's like oh man <laughs> he's definitely a red-blooded female uh, uh sorry he's definitely a red-blooded male or as the italian police would like to say a red-blooded male called the blooded englishman uh, see, see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's quite something once they, it's discovered that the paper is missing they're like quick get jap on the line and it's established pretty quickly that jap was placed at the nearby guest house by carrington because carrington had a feeling that having a nazi mm. in your house isn't going to end well weird mm. that he thought that. oh carrington carrington you crazy forward thinker <laughs> so yeah he's drafted in he quite gladly i imagine takes uh, miss vandalin off to the police station and they search her room in top to bottom all the police and poirot just watches them tear this room apart looking for this paper and you know poirot mm. makes the point don't think you're going to find it i think she's probably hidden it quite well if she's done it and i don't even think mm. it was her that nicked it so let's see how this plays out for the next sort of 10 minutes it's it's a bit of you know, them coming to the conclusion that mrs vandalin is behind it or mrs vandalin is behind it all and being utterly Assumed. convinced of this and saying it over and over again while poirot looks at them disparagingly after the strip search miss vandalin mm. she walks out of the police station she's livid isn't she yeah she's absolutely livid understandably and you've got mayfield and jap with <laughs> with their sheepish mm, sorry expressions <laughs> on their face they look really quite a, a, a bit embarrassed that this has happened and they mm. didn't find anything when they strip searched her i don't know where they thought she'd put the paper but they basically she goes back to the house she packs her stuff and she's like gonna get out of there she's had enough the next kind of day is she's packing up she's getting out of there because she's just been you know horribly humiliated humiliated yeah wants to leave and then so Poirot decides to go and meet up with his old pal Hastings for a breakfast pint down the pub and this mm-hmm. is when we find out more about Japan because they keep talking about Japan and no one knows what he's talking about so Poirot says Hastings what happened in Japan? What is it about Japan Hastings? Well this is a few years back when the Japs took it into their head to invade Manchuria the press got hold of something about Mayfield's company supplying them with the howitzers they were bombarding Shanghai with Turns out eventually that the press had got hold of the wrong end of the stick, as per usual. But by that time, there'd been questions in Parliament, and God knows what. And a lot of the mud stuck. Poirot suddenly gets a bit of a, a little brainwave pops in, or a little ding, 
of the little light bulb. And he's like, I need to get back to that house. I'm going to walk there. I need to clear my head. I need to think about it. Even though Hastings does offer to drive him because he just changed the spark plugs. He's back on the car. He's moved on from the girl. He's back on the car. His other lady, <laughs> his vehicle. So he goes back to the house just in time to see Miss Vandalin getting out of there. She's she's getting in the car in a full white ensemble because of her innocence, presumably, right? Yeah, yeah. And Carlisle hands her a suitcase that she nearly forgot through the mm. car door. Yes, very, uh, very suspicious. Mrs. Vanderlyn, you left this bit. Thank you. You forgot mm. this, he says, and hands her a suitcase. You forgot this massive red suitcase. <laughs> Did you not see it? <laughs> no? Then Mrs. Vanderlyn hands the chauffeur a letter and says, mm-hmm. would you mind posting this for me on my behalf after I've gone? Post this for her, will you? She'll only forget. The letter is taken into the house and placed on the out tray, I think you would call it, like a silver tray by the front door. Whoever's going to the post box next. That's a posh person's out tray. Solid silver. (laughs) Poirot (laughs) looks very suspiciously at the red suitcase and at the letter, and we Mm. can tell that something's up. And as the car pulls away, he suddenly, it all just falls into place for Poirot. He's like, oh my God, I can totally see what's happened. And he bombs it off after Hastings and here comes the action, right? Yeah, well, first of all, he bombs, the whole point of Hastings being there is right, so he can make a quick getaway if he needs to. And bloody Hastings is faffing about with the car. <laughs> he's just changed his plugs. What's he doing? <laughs> I know, he just can't, he can't leave, he can't stop touching them plugs. He's just got his hand stuff all in there and he's got a policeman helping him. And Poirot's like, quick, Hastings, we need to follow Miss Vandalin. She's heading off. We need to get in there. He's like, oh, the car. Hastings! Hastings, no more of the tinkering. We have to follow Mrs. Vandaline. But I've got the plugs out. It'll take me an hour to get them back. Oh, no, my dude! Bien, Hastings, allons-y! They steal a police car. So that's yep. exciting. Oh, yes, they so do. They, they hop in a car, and I have to say, Hastings is a fantastic driver. Look at Stun driver Hastings. He's a mensch. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably. Yeah. Right. He's like, hold tight. Hold tight. And he's swerving around corners. And oh my God. It's quite a thrilling little car chase as well. When you consider those cars probably only do about 25 miles an hour, but they're yeah. swooping around the corners. And every time. Like the cameras in the car with Hastings and Poirot, and every time it comes around a corner and you see what they're seeing, you keep expecting yeah. the car ahead to be gone or maybe out of sight, so they they have to stop and go, where did they go? But you can always just about see the car, and it's it's like, yeah. oh, there they go, quick, 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 faster, 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 and you, you kind of feel like, come on, come on, come on, all the way through. It's really well done. It mm. is really well done. And meanwhile, Hastings is driving for his life, and you've got Poirot trying to read a map, mm. and at the same time, for some reason, like Hastings, is like, oh yeah, we're there. He just points. To the map he's like we're around there he knows that while he's driving <laughs> while he's basically like driving around anyone who's listening who's driven down a country lane knows how terrifying it is let mm-hmm. alone at speed let alone when you're following a nazi sympathizer so it's quite impressive and then mm-hmm. they go through like a massive puddle then there's a really smoky bit for some reason <laughs> like everything is all of the effects it's a very thrilling car chase mm-hmm. i really enjoyed it Hastings strikes me as the kind of man who reads maps for fun, though. He, so <laughs> do you know right. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he, definitely. he doesn't even have to look at the map. He just has to pat, pat an area and go, we're about there. And you just go, uh, yeah. You bet Hastings. he pats an area to a map. <laughs> do you, uh, would you say he has carte blanche with his cotton? <laughs> oh, it was rough. Sorry. <laughs> But then they're trying to figure out where Miss Vanderlyn's going because mm. Hastings figures out quite quickly. She, he assumed she was going to London, but she's not. She's going. She's not on else. the London road, is she? No, no, she's headed off somewhere into the wild. In a classic Hastings way, he goes. Fellow I knew at the front had a place of dropping. 
right next door to the German ambassador's country house. <laughs> Hastings. God. Far as like, really, man? You didn't put two and two together? No. Yeah, probably there, isn't it? So they figure it out and they're like, can we get there before them? Let's give it a go. So mm. pedal to the metal, baby. Woo. Yeah. Hong Kong. And um, <laughs> they don't they don't make it there, do they? Before her. But, they, but it turns out the Poirot doesn't want to stop her. He just wants to no. see what she's going to do or what's going to yeah. happen. They watch. They the watch. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they pull up and um, they hide in the undergrowth, like you say, and they watch as she pulls up to the German ambassador's gate and hands over the suitcase. Yeah, hand over the red suitcase. And then he says, "Yes, Hastings, we have seen enough." You know how we usually stop and mm. say, "Go and go away and solve it." And yeah, I mean, there's really no. It's not really a. It's not really a solvey one, is it? It's more of a. No. More of a what have you just seen kind of thing. <laughs> just revealed what you've seen. Yeah, because it's kind of interspliced with so the car chase is you know the thrilling car chase is going on, and then it's cuts to back to Mayfield and Carlisle just being like, oh my god, like can't believe this has gone so horribly wrong. There's obviously mm. some sort of plan that's been happening in conjunction with everything. So it's not really a. I mean, there is an element of really mystery, mystery to it, but not really. Yeah. yeah, it's a weird one. It is a weird one. It's a weird one, but it's a fun one. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun one. I mean, as I say, it's, it's a romp. It's more. It's, yes. It's, it's, it's more of a romp than a mystery this one yes 100 so i mean we might as well just talk about what happens i guess there's no point in us going oh go back and look for this and look music. for this because it just yeah. doesn't it doesn't work for this one but um yeah. first of all what do you think of this episode i mean there's no point rank ranking the no. mystery because there isn't one but yeah unfortunately for this one it comes after problem at sea which is mm. perfection so mm-hmm. automatically and also because you know not to give away the magic of the podcast everyone but we're recording <laughs> two episodes back to back so we've just talked about problem <laughs> and how much we both absolutely love it. So it's a hard act to follow and it isn't the best. But I did really enjoy it for the comedy, for the adventure and for the mental image of Jap and Hastings tucked up in bed together. So I did really enjoy it. I'd probably give it a six think mm-hmm. five to six yeah. i was thinking six, six as well yeah because yeah. it it's a romp. It's, it's yeah it's not, you don't get you're not disappointed by it but no. it's more like oh oh right this wasn't a mystery this was yeah. just like um it's like a series of events and then poirot at the end explains what you've seen and you go yeah right okay cool yeah. i didn't realize i was i thought we were supposed to be solving a mystery but there's no mystery to this at all really no i mean there's kind of a bit of subterfuge going on it's just like a spy story that turns into a bit of a caper it's more of a caper than anything else yeah that's a good that's a good way of describing it absolutely but so you give it a six as well yeah i give it a six it's good it's a good fun episode and it's like a nice little romp it's it's like you know when um like you watch an episode of magnum and um (laughs) (laughs) or or, you know something made this century (laughs) (laughs) here we are talking about poirot yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) from last century Um, yeah, and they do a crossover episode, and you go, right, that was a fun little diversion. But or they, or you know, when a when a sitcom does a clip show, it's like, yes. well, that was fun to watch, but um, you know, <laughs> it yeah. kind of sits apart from the others. Yeah, That's you're right. Basically, and I think even is. yeah, I mean, inherently the fact there's not a murder or anything makes mm. it stand out. But it is, it's fine, it's fun, it was enjoyable, and yeah, worth it. For, as I say, there's some gold in this one from from some comedy and yeah some great lines so I really mm. enjoyed it it's Pete Hastings and Jap definitely oh. and, and Poirot they're definitely I ship them 
them. Ja- justings. <laughs> Justo. Justo. <laughs> <laughs> well, three of them. <laughs> Delicious. Three spoons in a drawer. <laughs> oh, Poirot is a little spoon. Basically, what's happened is that Mrs. Vanderlyn has been influencing, blackmailing yes. Lord Mayfield into, uh, because of his past associations, he said, I want this um, uh, plan thing. Mayfield uh, engineered, he, he didn't see anyone running across the lawn. He, he sort of faked that no. so that he could he could swipe the document himself and make it look like Mrs. Vanderlyn took it. Then when she left outraged, he would smuggle this document to her, which she then took to the German ambassador. Carlisle was in on the jig as well. Yes. Lady Mayfield was worried that this kind of thing might happen because as much as she loved her husband, she didn't really trust his, shall we say, tendencies, political tendencies. Yes. And she knows he's desperate. Yes, exactly. It's revealed at the end that Mayfield actually is an honourable person and he did give the plans to uh, Mrs. Vandalin, but they were completely messed up and won't do the Nazis any good. Yeah, it will take them like six months to figure out that the plans are actually a pup. The German High Command now has plans of our new fighter, on which they'll have to waste six months of concentrated effort before they realise they've been sold a pup. Pup? Pup? What's a pup? The little dog, Sir George. Little dog? Oh, pup! Sold a pup! Yes. What is a pup? (laughs) (laughs) Little dog, Sir George. So you say he's an honourable person. He's not really, because he did work with the Japanese and that's what that's the evidence that Miss Vandalin had that she was blackmailing him with. So <laughs> everything they thought about him was correct, but he's now just covered his ass. So Yeah, okay, fine. But um he's Tommy again. Yeah, and everyone at the end is like, Oh, you little scamp, like you're you're like oh, playing around with okay. this. And yeah. I did think he did actually work with the Japanese, like you all suspected that he did. So he's not perfectly innocent. <laughs> Let's forget about that because it's you know, it's all done. It's inconvenient. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's wrap yeah. it up and make everybody happy. And Lady Mayfield is like, oh, my dreamy husband again. And they're all very coply and cute, blah, blah, that kind of thing. So, yeah, mystery solved. <laughs> well, yeah, mystery in inverted commas. But the, yeah. uh, I think that's my issue with this episode is that all the way through, you think there's going to be a mystery. And then suddenly that you get to the end of it and yeah. it's like, right, there was no mystery. And, and all of a sudden you're like, hang on a minute. So it was a spy story. I didn't really understand what the Vandalin thing was and not really. why was she there and all this kind of thing. So you are left with questions, which is why it's not my favourite episode. It's not, yeah, it's 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 kind of like bottom half of, of series one for me. Yes. It's, it's a fun episode to watch. And like you say, it's mm. a good fun little romp. But um, because it's so, the formula is not there. It's, it's a, just like a wildly different kind of episode. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, I agree entirely. But, but it does end on a fabulous scene. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> it's so great. This is the opposite of Problem at Sea, which had a very serious, solemn ending. <laughs> <laughs> this is just absolute bounce between mm. the lads. Uh, so they're going on a road trip <laughs> back to the house. Uh, so we've got Hastings is driving him and Jap and Poirot back, but they're talking. First of all, there's a great line where they're talking about, the, well, Hastings is lamenting the fact that Miss Vandalin is getting away with it. She's not going to get any, you know, arrested for anything that he's done. And Poirot says, you know, well, she'll get her just desserts in the end. Don't worry about it. Uh, and Hastings says, If you ask me, it just shows the dangers of meeting anonymous women at the zoo. So that's Hastings weekend <laughs> plans ruined, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, I don't know, that was a pickup spot that people frequented. But All his Tinder matches in the bin. <laughs> 
<laughs> but then the best part is the best closing conversation, I think, mm. of all time, where so good. You know, I could try and do it justice, but I won't. So maybe we mm. just put it in. You just play it. It must be depressing for you when that sort of thing happens, eh, Poirot? What sort of thing? Well, everything working out for the best. Some married couple ready for a second honeymoon. Orphan children reunited with their parents. Yes, it is hard. But we must put on it a brave face, huh? And not allow cheerfulness to keep breaking through. <laughs> Drive on Hastings. So good. And he does it with a little cheeky smile. Yeah, I know. It's a little <laughs> chuckle on the little, like, you know, the, the rose just pops into his cheeks as he says it. <laughs> not allow the cheerfulness. <laughs> He's been on fine, sarcastic form from start to finish in this episode. It's mm-hmm. pure gold. I love yeah. I love Sassy Poirot. I think he's my favourite Poirot. God, as this series goes on as well, he just he just gets better and better and better, doesn't he? He's so nuanced and mm. the range. Oh, it's just, <laughs> great. Well, yeah, that was fun. So, yeah. what did you think at home, listener? Did you enjoy this one? Did you? What did you think? Did you laugh? Did you cry? Did you enjoy mm. the adventure? Tell us what you thought on social media or email us because I'm real curious. I'd be super surprised if this is anyone's favourite episode. But it's nice that it, it exists, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think maybe maybe it's like a little fluffy palate cleanser after Problem at Sea, which was very, mm. very good, very, you know, quite a brutal murder, to be fair. They're like, we'll just throw in a little bit of, bit of fun fun adventure fluff for everyone. Mm. And- this, is, this is what I would refer to as the light meal. <laughs> it is the bowels and spit of an episode, I would say. <laughs> it's not a boiled owl. Or a stuffed fish. It's, it's maybe it's a stuffed fish, actually. But... One of those talking fish that sings, like, you know, take me to the river on the plaque. Yeah, big big mouth valley, Billy Bowser. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So what's up next, Frankie, do you know? The next episode, Adam, is King of Clubs. Mm. An intriguing episode. Yes. We're on the home stretch now. I think it's just two episodes left in this series. Yes, yes. Um, for those of you who are keeping score, we've had Problem at Sea, which is a real highlight of season one. Yes. Um, we've gone to the incredible test. We, we we have the King of Clubs coming next. And then we have my favourite ever Poirot episode, which yeah. is The Dream, episode 10, which finishes off series one. So It is a great one. Oh, I'm really looking forward it's to it. It's so good. It. I've just realised we haven't discussed Lustig Burn. Oh, Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Well, there's a few contenders because, as I say, Poirot's on fine, sarky form. But I think, actually, the prize might have to go to Lady Carrington <laughs> when they're playing bridge. Mm-hmm. In general, actually, when they're playing bridge and to her own son because <laughs> he really deserves it, actually. Go on, what's yours? Yeah, I think it's when they're, play- they're in the room playing bridge and... Her bloody annoying little son, Reggie's making like little snarky comment um, and she turns and says... Has he said something nasty again? He's such a little snot, aren't you, darling? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. My favourite Sigburn is where um, the... Uh, Sir George who says... Froggy thinks she didn't do it. And Poirot is, unbeknownst to him, stood behind him and just replies with... <laughs> Froggy knows she didn't do it. It's like he tried to burn and then got the burn thrown back at him times 10. Yeah, he threw the scalding burn oil back at him (laughs) and got him good in the face. (laughs) And then, of course, there's a whole, you know, the Jap 
spooning conversation, mm. which is delicious. That's just deeply arousing. I don't know if that's so much of a burn, <laughs> but I can't speak for everyone. <laughs> that was the incredible theft. Yeah, incroyable theft. Incroyable. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening and playing along with us, everyone. Mm. We'll be back soon with the King of Clubs. And on to the dream. And then we've done season one. Season two kicks off with Peril at End House. Which oh, is, which is an absolute banger. Which is like... It's so good that they had to do it in two parts because they couldn't cut anything yeah. out, and rightly so. So yeah, no. it's gonna be it's gonna be quite a moment. Great, that'll be fun. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us, and um, we'll see you again soon for the King of Clubs. Au revoir. Au revoir, mon ami. <laughs> damn defensive. <laughs> You're damn defensive. You're damn defensive. You had to get one in before the end. <laughs> like to keep up to date with what we're doing or get in touch with us you can follow us on twitter at labors hercule we're also on instagram if you like pictures at labors of hercule and if you were born in the 1920s yourself then you can be all old-fashioned and email us at bonjour at the labors of hercule.com that's it from us see you next time au revoir mes amis